0: to Expounded Universe, Season 12, Episode 1, She's Not Like Other Imps, the book, Ruins of Dantooine, by Veronica Whitney Robinson and Hayden Blackman, the year, 2004, chapters, the prologue, and one more, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Okay, three, two, one, let's Let's jam! Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, joined, as always, this week and every week by my good friend, your other host, John. John, how are you?
1: I'm good.
0: Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. About five seconds ago, I sounded as tired as a very tired dog. But you know what? The show goes on. Indeed, a very tired dog. I didn't want you to just say think tired as a dog, because some dogs are very energetic. Yes, many dogs are like, rough,
1: let us play.
0: Yeah, in fact, I think you recently came into direct contact with a very energetic dog.
1: Indeed, we have a brand new little puppy at the house named Dean, and Dean is a little puppy and has much energies.
0: Mm-hmm, and likes to... Nose around in the backyard and leap on things, and it's very cute. Appears to be mostly German Shepherd, but with something else stuck in there as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very clearly got some German Shepherd in there, but it's also much smaller than it would be as a pure German Shepherd as well.
0: Oh, okay. So we're looking at, like, a German Shepherd light is basically the kind of dog. I, I kind of gathered that it wasn't, or that Dean here wasn't pure German from, uh well just from his lack of sheer will oh yeah he doesn't quite have that
1: pure piercing stare that you would get from a pure german
0: <laughs> uh well i'm i'm uh, happy for you i have i have had the brief chance to meet dean who is terrified of me because i was not in the initial imprinting meeting but he is yeah. he is an adorable little fellow he is
1: indeed adorable uh, his limit was apparently three people, and after that, he was like, "Nope, everyone else is an enemy."
0: Yep, that seems to be the case so far. But it's okay; I'll win him over with power <laughs> and guile. And wait, why do I use power? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think power. I'll, I think I'll just hold my hand out. To, yeah, well, I'll just display my ability. Like maybe I'll get him front side tickets to a basketball game or something that no one else would have been able to do otherwise.
1: Oh yeah, you're gonna get him tickets to a a basketball game and a limo, and you're gonna set him up with his his dog crush.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, but he's like, he's like, but I don't trust you. Still, I'm like, yo, who did this? Respect the ring. <laughs> and then I guess the the dog respects me now. That I don't really even want that. But here you yeah, go. Now That's... you
1: and the dog are friends.
0: <laughs> Hooray! I did it. So John, we read a new or we read part of a brand new book indeed we did we started
1: in on the ruins of dantooine
0: yeah the ruins of dantooine which uh not just that uh, the full title of this one is star wars galaxies the ruins of dantooine because as i mentioned in the preview episode if you didn't check that out uh this is the only book that is set In the original Star Wars MMO, Star Wars Galaxies. I.
1: Like, I understand (laughs) that sort of being like, ah, yeah, we want to sell our MMO to people, so we'll, I guess, have a book branded under that, but it's just. It's set during the same, like, original trilogy time period. So it's not like you had to say, like, oh, there's weird stuff that's in Star Wars Galaxies and it takes place at a different time, so you have to brand it differently. Like, like this is just a Star Wars story.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, I, I think I know why it's branded as Star Wars Galaxies. I, You know, ultimately, having read one and a half chapters of this book, I know why it's branded in Star Wars Galaxies. You see, there's two authors to this book. The first one... Uh, the primary credited author is a Veronica Whitney Robinson. The second yep. art, uh, art author, excuse me, uh, is only a with credit and not a and also by or anything like that. But with Hayden Blackman, who was the producer of Star Wars Galaxies at the time. <laughs> so I'm guessing that this is at least partially vanity project for him. I, I can't say or that he for was, certain.
1: No, he was just in there to be like, we got to galaxies this shit up a little.
0: Which, believe me, they didn't galaxies this shit up a little. They galaxies this shit up intensely. <laughs>
1: galaxies up intensifying.
0: <laughs> the book is shaking. Yeah, this is uh, a very uh, clearly a product of Star Wars Galaxies. Although I don't know that you would notice if you hadn't either played the game or read about it a little bit. At least Uh, early on. Probably
1: not, because I think this is going to be an interesting uh, scenario here where you actually played that, Mm -hmm. and I have no contact with it. Like, I know just barely anything, probably mostly apocrypha, about Star Wars Galaxies.
0: Yeah, I I played Star Wars Galaxies for about, I'd say, two or three months at a time on three separate occasions. Uh, I was in the beta for it, so... Yes, I'm quite old. The beta was in 2002.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm old.
0: <laughs> I was actually in the game when it went live around around the time of this book releasing, actually, around 2004, 2005 for a couple of months. And then I know I stopped by again to check it out once back after they had changed everything, because apparently they, they unleashed two different major overhauls of the game over its uh, life cycle, both of which were wildly unpopular. Yeah,
1: what I remember hearing as my very limited uh Star Wars Galaxy's knowledge is that it started out as just sort of pure sandbox nonsense without a lot of the more standard modern MMO sensibilities that you would think would be in there. Mm-hmm. And then most of the patches in later on when they did overhauls, was to make it more like a standard MMO.
0: That is exactly right. Uh, when when I first started trying it, I mean, I, I'm skipping the beta here. I have whole stories about the beta, but when I first played it under live play, uh, it was, you know how every once in a while some total grog will try to announce a new MMO that they're working on? Like There's a Pathfinder one in development that's been in development for 15 fucking years now. Uh, mm-hmm. And every time they do it, it's always like, oh, it's going to be the first one that's a real world economy. If you see a building, someone built that building and someone else can tear that building down. If you see farms, someone planted those farms and and so on. Like I, like they seem to believe that most of the world dreams of a game that's just life and just sucks yeah. like, like life sucks.
1: Every time I see those ads for things for MMOs, they're like, you can go out and build a a bridge and a house, and then maybe a war comes by and burns it down. I'm like, this sounds like garbage. Fuck you. I don't want to play this game.
0: It sounds like hot crap. Even if you're like, basically, they're aimed at a specific age of market, which is people who have fucking time on their hands to play an MMO and defend their fucking house, which... If you don't have the time, then you're just every time you log in, you might as well start it over. Ugh. So this was definitely one of those games. It wasn't as bad with the PvP, like like mine sweep destruction, but basically the, the most of what you did was oh, go out in the woods, take samples of trees, fight a little rabbit, make sure you stop by the cantina because if you don't pick up the buffs from watching a dancer, that rabbit is gonna murder you. Hmm. The same thing with a doctor. Some player is a doctor. You have to go to his office, and he shoots you with a probe beam, and you get five buffs. And then, without those buffs, a rabbit will fucking murder you. Uh, but some player has to stand in a in a pre assigned doctor's office and be like, "Okay, click. Here you go. You get your five buffs." The last time I played this game uh, on a private server, those were all automated jobs. They had not. This wasn't part of the the uh, the updates people just wrote bot scripts. Well, so, so yeah, when this first launched, it was very sandboxy. There weren't really careers. I mean, there were, but you earned them by like doing shit. Like you'd had to, you have to go out in the world, woods to be a scout for a few days, then do a bunch of crap, re- re- researching medicine, then spend some time selling. And then you unlock a skill set that you could potentially call Grenadier or bioengineer or pet master. But it's not like you picked that class at any one point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to me, this is very much like <laughs> this. <laughs> it reads to me a lot like a fanfic about a video game where someone didn't realize that they're not just supposed to write the stuff that happens in video games down.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a reason that I feel like most uh, MMO books tend to be about, like, the major NPCs, because if you're just like... And then, you know, Party Bus showed up and was like, which one of you bitches wants to raid? You're like, this is bad. Don't do this.
0: (laughs) And then he encountered another pack of skeletons. And this time, indeed, he did lay his blood pack on the ground that caused them all to aggro to him, as he had (laughs) done in the previous three chapters as well. (laughs)
1: ah yes and so he was very frightening and and yay did the enemies attack his mighty visage instead of his (laughs) friends
0: who by the way were casting down down leveled regrowth over and over again (laughs) the end Uh... i think the wow books have worked really hard to strike a balance where they have to be about the yeah they have to be about the npcs but they have to recognizably be be the kinds of classes that you can unlock in the game and the kind of people you can play as in the game. And if they push too far, people get really mad. Which happened with, uh, what's his name? Who was like, oh, I'm half Draenei, half Moon Elf, half Blood Elf, half Demon and Dragon. And I'm the golden child of Thrall. I think his name was Medan. Yes. Where people were like, no, this is too much. We refuse to accept this character. Never put him in the game.
1: No, this is dumb and bad. You've done dumb, bad things.
0: <laughs> well, we're not seeing that here, at least not so far. Our main character... <laughs> well, I mean,
1: I'm not saying we're not seeing dumb, bad things. Oh, know. no,
0: it, it, it's pretty fucking boring, don't get me wrong. But the our main character in this book appears to be straight up a bioengineer from Star Wars Galaxies with no modifications at all. Yes. Okay, so we don't meet them yet. Instead, we're going to start with a prologue, which mostly is just there to let us know this is a story about two people you've never heard of, uh, and also the time period in which this took place. Mm Mm-hmm. So we start by meeting a guy named, uh, boy, this book's got some names, let me tell you, Loam Reg. Oh, Reg. Now, now, Loam Reg, which is spelled like ledge with an R... Uh, is an Imperial Inquisitor, the pretty classic Imperial type, like, you know, straight back, filled up with secrets, exceptionally cruel to his underlings, ultra dedicated to the Empire. Uh, He's he's hanging out somewhere on some nice, plainsy planet, looking out at, at interesting birds flying around and being like, hmm, yes, soon they will be hunted by evil cats. I like oh, when yeah. the evil cats hunt.
1: Yeah, no, they're hanging out on uh, the Emperor's private retreat on Naboo.
0: Right. It takes a second to establish it as Naboo, but it was pretty easy to guess.
1: (laughs) And uh, I, I just, man, this character, Reg, is just the most stereotypical thing. Like if someone said, hey, I need you to knock out. An Imperial Inquisitor real quick for me. Just write up something real fast. This is like the first draft, only the most common things would show up. Like, he's just, ah, yes, I love being evil. Let me internal monologue about how being evil is good. Oh, torture is fun. Ooh, yes, and soon I shall torture again.
0: Boy, I love the Empire. <laughs> theres He gets really stuffy. Like, right away, it rains on him because Naboo rains often. And he's like, ooh, rain. It makes my outfit unappealing. I, uh, I have distaste for the world of nature. Uh, this guys you know, he's very bog standard uh, to the point where he encounters a mouse droid while he's walking around in this uh, retreat. And he's like, ew, it reminds me of a real mouse, a creature I find unpleasant. Hmm,
1: hmm. (laughs) Yes, this is like a small vermin. And I like that the book also wants you to know that the reason that these are around is because the company that made them had a going out of sale or liquidation thing. Mm -hmm. And the Empire got a whole shitload of mouse droids for the cheap.
0: Yeah, and we learn what mouse droids do in this book, where up until now I knew they just kind of bothered Chewbacca and that was their full their full responsibility. Uh this one unfolds a little arm and tries to clean a wall.
1: Yeah, it's uh they're they're little like cleaner droids. Like I guess they probably their their little square body things are empty so they can like sweep up little bits of trash they find or I'm
0: guessing they're like, super modular and you can use them for all sorts of crap. They're basically just a radio controlled rectangle so whatever you felt like putting in there you can.
1: Yeah, like a little soda or a lunchable.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're just lunch boxes on wheels and you can use them for whatever idea you have for that, including mounting little arms in there so they can clean like <laughs> below the knees of your palace if you want not above the that's that's their limit but we have to get a higher droid for that
1: oh yeah there's <laughs> there are levels of square droids <laughs> that go around and clean different heights
0: and we finally figure out what gonk droids are for <laughs> oh, they're
1: I, I, they're for gonking
0: oh actually they are just batteries i i knew that uh so to give you an idea of how exceptionally predictable loam reg is as a character uh, He is wandering around the hallways waiting to talk to either the Emperor or Vader, we're not supposed to be sure, uh, and he encounters a couple of Imperial guards who are perfect, but then he encounters a couple Stormtroopers who are not, and they are having a conversation that is designed to let you know when this book is taking place. They're, they are saying, oh my gosh, I don't think they're going to build a second Death Star. I think this may be the beginning of the end if the first Death Star was destroyed and there aren't already plans for more. Which seems weird, because, like, I can understand if you went,
1: oh, shit, like, the Death Star got blown up, that's huge. But to say, ah, well, everything would be fine if they had plans for another one of these things that got blown up, like, that doesn't (laughs) seem to be the confidence builder you imagine
0: it to be. Well, just think about it this way, John, it would absolutely be the confidence builder you imagine it to be if you had seen the movies.
1: Yes, had you seen that, you would have been like, oh, yeah, no, I get it.
0: It feels like uh, Return of the Jedi is taking way too long to get here. I know, you are. <laughs> Hang on, do the Stormtrooper voice for me, John.
1: <laughs> oh, man, it seems like it's taking way too long to get here for the Return of the Jedi.
0: Sir, I don't want to get trapped in Empire Strikes Back, sir. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, like I was saying, you can get an idea of exactly how desperately predictable uh, Reg is as a character, because obviously he slimes up behind them and interrupts them to make them uncomfortable. Uh, Oh, yeah,
1: because he has to, like, overhear them and go, oh, I won't make my presence known. I want to hear what they are saying. And then when I make my presence known, it will be all the better.
0: Exactly. He has to do that, like, how dare you speak ill of the Emperor's will crap. I have in my notes... This is great because they're only separated by like six lines of notes. I bet he fucking sends them to Hoth, is my first note. And then about six lines later, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, because obviously he has to wait until he gets the opening for a good one-liner to jump in there. So he can't just like show up and be like, ah, you you stormtroopers, don't talk like that. That's blasphemy. He has to wait until someone is like... Ah, let's give someone an opening to say something stupid.
0: Yeah, so he basically hangs out behind them, somehow invisible, until they finally say the right thing, and then he pops in, and he's like...
1: Because one of them is like, oh, talk like that's going to get you killed. And then Reg gets to pop in and go, oh, worse.
0: Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't attack them or, like, immediately demote them or anything. Instead, he gets into conversation with them. He's just like, uh, you know, just so you know... It's not our job to know the emperor's will, and you can rest assured that plans are still in place and the empire remains as perfect as it is or has been and ever shall be, right? And they're all like, "Yes, you're right. The emperor has been perfect forever, and also has lasted for." Wait, didn't the prequels come out before this book was written? I mean, we're on Naboo. <laughs> we don't. We yeah. don't. Have, we don't have to pretend like the emperor empire hasn't existed for about twenty two years.
1: Uh, no. It's just the whole thing where he's like. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you only need to know what you need to know. If the Emperor is keeping secrets, then those are good secrets to keep. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't really know why a random stormtrooper would be like, I feel like the Emperor's keeping secrets from me. Like, yeah, no shit, the Emperor's (laughs) keeping secrets from you. You're a shitty grunt, and he's the Emperor.
0: Yeah, yeah, well... In any event, he doesn't get to his chance to necessarily punish them yet because he senses the air changing and he knows that a door opened somewhere. And out comes Vader.
1: Yeah, now, our, uh, our Inquisitor Reg is ever so slightly force-sensitive because part of his job is hunting down and murdering any would-be Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, he has... The Force sensitivity that lets him know when Force users are around. And, oh, Vader is so powerful in the Force that when he even gets near him, it's overwhelming. He just can't even barely stand it. And he's like, yes, Daddy, more.
0: (laughs) Anyway, uh he is also obsessively obsequious when it comes to his betters in the empire. So we get a long description of him kneeling and standing and wanting to flatten his robes down, but not flattening his robes down because Vader might notice him flattening his robes down. And wouldn't that be embarrassing? Man, uh,
1: Vader doesn't notice <laughs> shit about you right <laughs> Vader now. I'm going tell sh- you that right
0: now. Vader doesn't give a shit about fuck. So yeah, you can do whatever you want in front of Vader as long as it's not Jedi things.
1: Yeah, if you show up and are like, oh no, he caught me adjusting my robe, Vader doesn't care. Vader is currently just hate-fucking-the-universe and does not notice anything.
0: Yeah, Uh, but Vader's basically like, hey, walk and talk with me. Let's do an Aaron Sorkin. And then they just sort of start wandering around the hallways, but before they can walk off... This is our moment where, where Reg goes, oh, wait, hold on. You two stormtroopers. I think I'll have you reassigned to the Hoth system. Yeah.
1: Now go tell whoever's in charge of you that you are dismissed. Run along. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to say with 100% certainty, you're not going to follow up on that. And I'm going to say probably the stormtroopers didn't like run off to go tell on themselves either. <laughs>
0: I mean, ultimately, they're going to get sent to some Imperial base of the Hoth system. That doesn't mean they're going to be fitted for snow trooper armor. So they're just going to be on some ship there. It's not going to be any more or less comfortable than wherever they've been before anyway.
1: Oh, I don't think what I'm saying is I don't think they're getting oh, you reestablished think she- anywhere because he never asked their names. He didn't give a shit. He was just like, you go report to whoever's in charge of you and tell them that you should be punished and then (laughs) walks off like if you're those stormtroopers you're gonna go yeah obviously and then just make a jerk off motion behind his back as he walks
0: away I mean I prefer to live in that reality as well but I'm fairly certain he's the exact sort of obsequious paying attention to details toad who's going to know them because he'll like memorize their armor numbers or just look up the duty schedule (laughs) he's a thorough asshole (laughs) is more or less what I'm trying to say here. Uh, So basically after that, that he is now indeed walking and talking with Vader and Vader wants him to find a holocron. And I guess for the purposes of this book and probably for that video game, holocrons are just USB drives. They're not special magic Jedi things.
1: Yeah. And this it's just, Hey, there's a holocron out there. That's, Just got a list of names of stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, okay."
0: I thought holocrons uh, were like semi sentient Jedi soul repositories. Are we are we downgrading them to just USB sticks? Okay.
1: Yeah, I was like, I thought you used a holocron to like talk to an ancient master and have them respond to you like they would, not you know, have your grocery list and a few MP3s.
0: It's where I keep my porn, so that I don't have to actually have it on my hard drive. (laughs) <laughs> on this holocron it's still 2d don't get me wrong
1: oh yeah it's it's not like this makes it any better it's just you know i don't want the
0: wife finding my porn holocrons <laughs> pornocrons we call them uh so so i guess we're downgrading that but you know what that's not the first time in this book i would have sworn up until i read this book that the emperor was born on the planet Bis. Uh, I read that back in the day, and apparently, when Naboo was introduced, that was retconned, and now Palpatine is from Naboo.
1: Yep, that they just had to be like, sure, you know what? That's where he's from. Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, I think that's a retcon because I'm—I would swear that I read previously that his home world was Biss. I mean, that words in Biss. my head for some fucking reason. Yeah, well, who knows? So I don't. So. So Reg hasn't been assigned to go find the Holocron himself. It's his responsibility, but he's dispatching his best and top person to go do it instead. Don't worry, Vader. We have our top men. Top men, Vader. Top men. Uh, There's not even a suggestion that Reg would go deal with this himself.
1: Oh, no. He's an Inquisitor. He's not about to go, like, harrying off across the galaxy on a space adventure. His job is to... Wait until someone is like, hey, we found a guy. And he's like, good, bring him to my torture office.
0: So basically, Reg walks and talks with Vader for a while until Vader gets so mad at this holocron thing. Not at Reg. Reg is perfect throughout the course of this chapter. But just mad about the holocron thing in general that he just begins involuntarily force choking anyone near him at the moment.
1: Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, if if those rebels manage to get that holocron and we don't, because the holocron has information on rebel sympathizers in high imperial positions.
0: Yeah, it's a list of potential defectors.
1: It's, well, it's people that are helping the rebels in key positions. So if that were to be found by the Empire, they could root out everyone who was pro-rebels, and then they wouldn't be able to get, like, the high-end money or information or all the stuff that the rebels currently
0: need, what i'm not sure of is who made the list because the the rebels are looking for it too yeah it's a weird like he says
1: that they lost it so i'm i'm like did you guys somehow find out like have someone weed out who these people were and then write it down in a holocron and then lost it and but then also let slide that it's out there, so the Rebels want to find it, but also you don't know where it is, because...
0: I mean, are we sure that the Rebels made the list in the first place? I mean, number one, why are they making no, the list No, that's what on- I was saying, is yeah.
1: I think it's some, like, uh, uh, an Imperial agent found out, like, all of these names and was going to bring it back.
0: right. I was wondering if maybe a third party made the list in the first place. It was some like, you know, smuggling or Black Sun type organization that was assembling this list to sell it to the highest bidder. But then they lost it somehow. But in any event, both sides really want this list. So much so that obviously Vader drops very obvious threats that he will kill if he does not get the list.
1: Oh, yeah. Just the the thought of not getting that list is like, oh, no, Reg is going to die now. Like, it's not even just force choking. Like, apparently he can feel like his heart being stopped by Vader. So it's it's just Vader is so angry. He begins force murdering anything around him without even realizing he's doing
0: it. Now, eventually, Vader calms down and realizes what's happening. He doesn't uh, like apologize. He's fucking Vader. He just stops doing it. Uh, and then he does what is probably the most convincing little bit of business in the in the book so far, where he's just like, now go get me that thing or else. And then he lifts one finger and just shakes it once. And I was like, oh, that is actually a pretty classic Vader move.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, throughout this entire little prologue, I had James Earl Jones in my head doing the voice. And I was like, you know, the lines that they give him and like the little bits of this is like oh he shakes his finger or he like spins and his cape goes after him I'm like yeah this is very vader yeah like you got vader down pretty pretty solid in here
0: yeah i was gonna say this is good vader it's a shame the book's not about vader because they did a good job on him down to the point where when he comes out of the emperor's office they describe the box tape to his chest that has the red and blue lights on it and how it just kind of looks cruddy and i'm like yeah, Vader is one of those characters who, in the first few movies, really worked better if he'd ever stopped moving. If he stopped moving <laughs> for a second, you get a look at the lunchbox taped to his chest, and you'd be like, "Oh no, he looks adorable."
1: No, oh, wait a minute. You don't have the budget.
0: <laughs> they taped that to you so you wouldn't lose it, didn't they?
1: <laughs> Inside is a note with a grocery list that you have to hand the man behind the counter. <laughs>
0: Uh Okay, so <laughs> we cut from them after Reg looks out over a balcony at some spaceships and stuff and is like, yes, I will find the box uh, or the yes. holocron. We cut to a woman sitting alone in a forest. And lest you get the idea that we're finally meeting our main characters. No, it's Leia.
1: Yeah, Leia just wants to hang out and really get in touch with the planet because she's force sensitive, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh so she's hanging out in uh, somewhere on some planet. Uh it's another foresty planet, so it could be any number of Star Wars places. Uh by the end of the chapter we learn that it's apparently one of the many fine forests of Corellia. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, they mentioned huh. that they're currently operating out of their Corellian base ever since they were forced to evacuate uh Gavin Four, I wanna say, because uh because this is pre Empire Strikes Back. This mm-hmm. where where Shadows was set between Empire and Jedi. This is set between New Hope and Empire. So yes. so that leaves us with some interesting things because she's going to run into Luke in this chapter when he comes out to find her and the two of them are kind of comfortable around each other and everything, but they don't know they're related yet. This is this is that early in the story.
1: Yeah. She's just like, "Oh, these two boys and Han Solo makes me sort of uncomfortable because he's a bit of a scoundrel, but Ooh, I like it. And Luke, I just feel so comfortable around him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now that we learned pretty quickly that Han is off somewhere else. Uh, He's not on Corellia. He's flying a mission. Chewbacca's with him. He's in the Falcon and he is doing some rebel business. I, I, I hope he's getting paid for it because this is still when he's like, I'm sort of a rebel, but you better goddamn pay me.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) But we don't need to worry about that. She's just very worried because she recently assigned a person to go find a holocron, and she thinks she may have inadvertently set yet another young, uh, impassioned rebel to their death.
1: Yes, well, you know. You're you're fighting against an entire empire, so, you know, that's uh going to happen.
0: But when she gets sad and concerned about things like that, she will sneak away from the people that she's working with and hi- go to the forest or whatever outdoor location on whatever planet it is and sit there and breathe the natural air. It's how she reconnects to the world.
1: Yeah, she has to sit in nature and really soak up that natural force that's out there and uh, it's a good thing that she does that, and Luke also does that, because Luke's also a forceman's
0: I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say that Luke does that not because of his lifelong dream of getting out into nature, but because he's never seen a non-desert before, so he's just like, fuck, this is amazing. Y'all see- y'all got forests and shit? This is crazy! <laughs> Everything's fucking wet, this is crazy- I'm gonna get so rich, I'm gonna put evaporator here. Uh, no- I'm no. just
1: gonna, like- Grab a, I don't know a, a a blanket and get it
0: wet and then wring it out and sell it. <laughs> you don't know how rich you guys are, do you? Oh my god, I could start selling this water. Uh no, no, you can't. There's lakes here. There's like just lakes of the stuff, oceans. So much. Why why doesn't anybody take this over to Tatooine? <laughs> that seems like it'd be a very lucrative market. A spaceship flying water to Tatooine.
1: Uh hand wave. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so that I asked...
1: holocron, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that holocron. Yeah, we need to find it. It's got a list of uh, sympathizers, and I sent a, a very promising young agent to go and find it. But we're not going to learn his name at all yet. Not yet. I don't think we learned the name of of uh, Reg's agent either, because it, I don't. Dusk Flyer doesn't make any sense as a, a, a high level agent. So I think. I think we we haven't met either of the characters that were introduced in this prologue. Oh no, uh, we do.
1: I mean, I'm a hundred percent certain that we are introduced to the rebel one. Just we don't get his name.
0: Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you're right. I there. think
1: he's the the one flirting with her.
0: Yeah, he's the face in the crowd. That 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 is definitely correct. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention about the prologue before we leave it behind is the point where Leia decides to kind of expound on why the Rebellion is different from the Empire, and she mentions it's because the Empire is overly reliant on technology, and prefers to trust technology over people. Okay. And I found that kind of fascinating because I feel like she's pulling that out of her ass and it's never been a part of the Empire storyline before.
1: No. I mean, I, I can kind of see that as far as like, oh, you know, instead of relying on the fact that they're like oh we've got overwhelming force with the stormtroopers or whatever they're like no what we need is a death star a technological thing to be uh our our main big bad thing
0: i mean i'm not going to call you wrong but i am going to point out that the first thing that the empire really ever kind of did was drop having a robot army in favor of having a living army
1: it's true and dumb
0: so i i don't know if uh but yeah, anyway, it's, it's just kind of a weird point. for. I, I, I think she's just grasping at straws to come up with ways that they're different. And it would have been very easy to say, oh, they're obviously different. They build mile-long spaceships and blow up planets.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a difference between us. You see, they're fascists, and we want to shoot them.
0: <laughs> yeah, would have been much simpler. Anyway, now it's time to jump over to the beginning of the story proper. We're on some transport ship hanging out with a brand new character, Dusk Mistflyer. I think we could just call her Dusk, though. Oh,
1: Dusk Mistflyer.
0: Dusk Mistflyer
1: is just the anthropomorphic personification of I'm not like the other girls.
0: Yes. Uh, Now, first of all, let's talk about the name. Uh, Mistflyer is the kind of bullshit name that you come up with if you're writing a very low-rent Star Wars fanfic. Dusk is spelled D-U-S. Q-U-E. Yup. Yeah. So you can also pronounce it as Dusky, I guess. Duske. She could be Duske, or Dusky, or Dusk. <laughs> oh,
1: Dusk. <laughs> or dusque. <laughs> yeah, her last name should have been Oop. Then she could be my little Oop.
0: <laughs> you don't know what she's got. <laughs> Maybe that's her middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, this is, well, anyway, John is absolutely right. She is the living, walking, talking, not like other girls. Uh, we learn right away as she describes herself for the benefit of the audience. She's an imperial bioengineer, but unlike having, or basically having noticed that women aren't too popular in the empire, she does everything she can to reduce her femininity.
1: Oh yeah. She doesn't like dresses. She thinks those are stupid and impractical. Why, you can't even climb a tree in one of those. You know, I have four older brothers, so I learned how to be tough and fight. That's <laughs> that's me. I didn't learn how to fight just because I wanted to fight. I learned how to fight because I had men. Men I mean, taught me how to be cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I want to be careful with describing the character because I get, I get the impression that there's a fine line between the I'm not like other girls stereotype and the generic, I am a tomboy stereotype?
1: No, it's the fact that it is, it's not just, oh, I'm a tomboy. It's, I need to let other people know that I am not like other girls. And part of the whole, I'm not like everyone else, I am a strong female, is I had several brothers and that's why I know how to fight. Like, that is one of the biggest cliches ever for that sort of thing. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's jumping ahead, but there was a point before we even, she even like gets sort of flirted with by a guy in the crowds a little bit where I was reading this going, if we don't have a scene later in this book where mm-hmm. she is forced to wear a dress and then her love interest is like, wow, you look amazing. And then she blushes and likes it, but she's like, don't get used to it. I'm still quirky and and a manic pixie
0: tomboy no i mean you're not wrong and she does even without having to do the actual you know uh she's all that dress reveal scene we do get a scene where someone in a crowd winks at her and she immediately blushes and then gets mad at herself for blushing
1: she's like oh i'm so strong and independent but the second any boy shows me any sort of attention i'm like oh he
0: yeah well, luckily for us, we don't. she doesn't have to meet a cute boy right away. Uh, first, she meets an Ithorian, an old companion of hers from her bioengineering department. Uh, a hey, big... it
1: might be a cute Ithorian. You don't know. <laughs>
0: hey, I do know that there's a point where he's described as smiling out of one of his two mouths, which has got to be a fascinating sight. <laughs> <laughs> you know Ithorians. We've talked about them on a number of occasions. They got them big, floppy, detachable sand dicks. Yeah, uh, this but then one is... also
1: two mouths, one on either side of their head.
0: Yeah, so they talk in stereo all the time with themselves. Uh, this one is named Tendao Nandon, and he is an Imperial bioengineer. So I guess, well, it, you know what? It's one of the things that's part of Star Wars Galaxies. There were eight races you could play as, and Imperial and Rebel were just factions you could earn <laughs> points with. So there was nothing ah, stopping yes. you from being a Trandoshan uh, stormtrooper in that game.
1: Yep, and so they were just like, yeah, sure, of course an Ithorian would be a high-ranking bioengineer in the Empire. That makes perfect sense, because it can happen in the game. Anyway, here's Nintendo. It's
0: gotta make Momon Adon feel like shit.
1: Indeed. Here it is, Momon Adon trying to get a leg up in the world, and Spandau Ballet over here is just working for the Empire. <laughs>
0: He's probably even friends with Captain Slash Lieutenant Alima, <laughs> But he's just, a, he's just a nice, avuncular, friendly old man figure for our main character to be friends with. Another part of the whole Manic Pixie Dream Girl stereotype is that she's already friends with some well-meaning old man who just wants to see her happy. Mm-hmm. Someone who will
1: eventually be like, you know, you should stop tr- hiding how you really feel and go talk to that boy. <laughs>
0: And she does not like her current assignment, let me tell you. She's been assigned to go to Naboo, and uh, yeah, to Naboo, where she's going to be the bioengineer in attendance at a Naboo casino animal event.
1: Yeah, they have a, like, for an event for the opening of a casino, essentially a giant arena pit battle between various animals
0: yeah and on the one hand my first thought was that sounds sickening and grody but then i'm like okay well this book did come out very close to when the attack of the clones movie came out so we know that gladiatorial animal pit fights are a common and popular thing in star wars yeah
1: but even then like some of the (laughs) animals that get brought out like you'd think okay sure you're gonna have like some of the big, like, Nexu cats or whatever, and maybe, like, a, a I don't know, Ackley. a trained murder yeah. bantha or something like that. But you get, like, oh, what's this? This guy brought a big peacock or some shit.
0: <laughs> I did not expect it to turn into blood sport. I didn't know that. I thought it was just, like, an animal show. Like, she was just being sent to, like, you know, an exotic circus. But then the very first one is, like, behold, as they murder each other. And I was, like, oh, Okay, but yeah.
1: for some reason, I thought this was going to be like a livestock auction. I don't know why I thought that when they first got there, but I was like, oh, okay. They're just here to like, look at various specimens of things that are for sale and like, take notes on them or whatever. And that's fine. Sure. I but thought then it was like, and now murder
0: time. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like space tufts. Like they were going to go like. And now, with his show name, Fluffles Scruffles Truffle Doof, it's a Rancor. And he'd come out and they'd like check his hawks. <laughs> uh, he does and- a little
1: run around, <laughs> jumps over a couple things,
0: <laughs> eats a person. They're like, ooh, that's not going to sit well with the judges.
1: <laughs> ooh, and that judge that he ate isn't going to sit well with the Rancor.
0: Yeah, a hand sticks out of its mouth with a little sign that has a three on it. but no it's just blood sport but she doesn't her her problem isn't with the blood sport aspect of it she just thinks being assigned to go to naboo and take genetic samples from fight animals is a boring newbie assignment that she only got because she's a girl well i mean
1: she also does have a problem with it throughout the thing she's like i don't want to watch these animals murder each other they're awesome beautiful exotic animals and i'm just watching them get torn apart and uh Tendow is like, yeah, I also don't want to watch this. I'm an Ithorian and love nature, and this is some bullshit.
0: She even makes a point of saying that it must be weird for him to walk around on a planet because most Ithorians live on floating city ships that never touch the ground. Oh, yeah. And I know that's true, but I can't imagine it makes it hard for them to walk on ground. Like, their ships aren't low gravity. They're just flying.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it would be... This must be weird for you to be walking on dirt, maybe? I mean,
0: and for him to just be like, "No, obviously it isn't. I've been in the empire for like 10 years."
1: You know, they send me to do projects on things and because I'm a bioengineer, most of them are, you know, having to do with nature.
0: Thanks for making wild assumptions about my whole ass species though. <laughs> my whole oh, ass species. I can't stay mad at you. You're not like other girls. <laughs>
1: uh look at you with your paint covered overalls you're not like the other girls you've got a ponytail and glasses
0: (laughs) you're covered in paint (laughs) anyway a bunch of named animals come out and i guarantee you even though i don't know off the top of my head because i didn't play the game for an extended period of time every one of these is just some recolored sprite from the mmo the, they keep, And they keep telling us as much. They're like, and out comes an Oolcac. It's basically a Tauntaun, but it's from Tatooine and is pink and blue.
1: Huh. and I'm like, Yeah, we get a few of those. I was surprised that this was a whole like, ah, yes. And now a bunch of like murder beasts to murder. And no one brought a Rancor.
0: Yeah, no one brought a Rancor, although there was a different Dathomir animal. Uh, Indeed. And In they- the finals, no less. And of more interest to me was that she knew that that animal was from Dathomir, and that uh, <laughs> and that Rancors were also from Dathomir because courtship of Princess Leia won't happen for seven years, and that's when everybody in that book is like, "Holy shit, Rancors have a home planet!" What? And the at this point in in Empire Imperial history. Uh, Warlord Zinj is still technically in the Empire and is in charge of the sector with Dathomir in it, and he cannot set foot on it because he'll get murdered by Gethserion. So how the fuck does she know any of this? Uh, it's because she's read the books, I think. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, there's a big Dathomirian elephant that's there that's just, it's it's herbivorous, but it can be ordered to stomp on other animals.
1: Yeah, I got the the sort of idea that it was like oh this is uh like a small brontosaurus because it's got yeah. a big long neck and it's just stompy and huge and yeah. in the finals
0: it has to fight a murder mosquito what might as well be a dragon from the description of it but yeah right away she she gets a front row seat and she's supposed to watch and i keep wondering when's she gonna take genetic samples these animals are dying really fast and she doesn't seem to be taking genetic samples
1: oh no She's just here to observe and note their
0: behaviors. But as she's sitting there, she loses track of time and starts thinking about her own past. Lucky for us. Uh, and she is from the planet Talus, which is one of uh, the five planets that make up the Corellia kind of planetary diaspora. Yes. Uh, so that means that she grew up around not just humans, but I believe Talus has has a lot of drawl on it, uh, if not a lot of the other one, the Otter ones. Uh, so she's you know, she grew up on a, a an egalitarian non imperial planet, but the Empire showed up during her life and started throwing their weight around. And her dad died working in an imperial factory.
1: Yeah, he just worked himself to death toiling in a factory and and her brothers went and when they got older they went to work in the factory and she was like no i'm going to study and learn cuz i i got to get out of this town i'm i'm not like the other girls here in this town
0: now she was the 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 third of four children she had two older brothers who went into the factory and became factory workers like her dad and she had a little brother who joined the empire but immediately died in flight school yep uh, and her mom has become a hollow shell who is not interesting anymore, according to her and her own story. Uh, and and then she just leaves and she goes to the only place in the world that's or the galaxy that's bothering to hire bioengineers anymore, the Empire.
1: Yeah, it's weird that we get this character's backstory where it's like, oh, the Empire showed up and worked my father to death and then... Uh, trapped two of my brothers in horrible work- will-work-them-to-death jobs as well, and then uh, had my other brother murdered when he went to go fight for them. Obviously, I went to work for them as well.
0: Well, I mean, she learned the important lesson. Get an officer title and don't get into an airplane.
1: Oh, not even officer title. She's a civilian. She's just a bioengineer. Right,
0: well, th- at least that means she won't see combat.
1: Oh, so- but will she? <laughs>
0: So, not in her estimation, but she probably will. But here's my favorite part, because when she's done talking about her childhood, she moves into her like career backstory, which is pure Star Wars galaxies. Hmm, hmm, she's like, hmm. she's like, oh, uh, what I what I had the hardest time with was the organic chemistry studies on one through four. What do you know? Those are the four talent trees you have to unlock to be a bioengineer. Along with, but I did excel in scouting. Yes, because you have to go through up the first three trees of Scout to become a (laughs) bioengineer.
1: Ah, yes, I was so good at survival
0: skills. So they they literally just add a couple of adjectives to the description of what a Star Wars Galaxy's bioengineer is, and then just cut print. Yeah, I mean, you can basically
1: just pick out the... Oh, look here. Uh, medic, scout. All right. Well, that's interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess you needed to be both of those. Yeah, she had to take scouting until she hit the unconventional hunting uh, tree. And then she needed to hit the me- stay in the medical career track until she hit organic chemistry four. And then she gets access to the bioengineer tree, which is what she's stuck in, that allows her to take genetic samples from animals and craft med packs
1: mm Ed packs, I certainly hope she crafts one later on in this book.
0: Well, we'll keep our eyes open for it the uh the bioengineer was a rare hybrid class in the original Galaxy's m m o where it was both useful in and out of combat because they were they made so much medical equipment but actually did have some gun skills as well so mm. uh so we will get to see if all of this stuff where it's not only is it just giving us a laundry list of animals from the get the game, but now just the career path tro- choices for a, a starting bioengineer character. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Now my favorite part of this sequence is when they, they start hauling out some animals to have the murder each other and they bring out a Zuckabore, which I can confirm was in the game and a womp rat and She's like, well, that's a dumb matchup. That Zuckerboar is going to lose to that womp rat right away. And some person behind her is like, I don't think that's true. I put a lot of money on that boar. He's way bigger. And she's like, whatever. And then obviously the womp rat instantly kills the boar. Well, yeah. Well, not instantly, but it's Very like quickly.
1: Yeah, the boar charges, and it's like, ah, but the Womp Rat is quick and has big old sharp incisors, so every time the boar charges, it just jumps out of the way and gores the boar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, also it has electrical powers, and the boar is weak to that. Yeah, obviously. And then it goes blasting off again. But here's, this is the reason this is my favorite part. Her knowledge that the Womp Rat is guaranteed to win this fight is so offhand and so casual that it becomes bullshit that, There aren't dozens of other people in the audience and among the trainers who were like, yeah, this is a dumb fight. We shouldn't be doing this.
1: Well, I mean, I have to assume, given the amount of stupid bullshit animals that got mentioned at the beginning, most of these fights were dumb garbage bullshit.
0: Yeah, I I mean, but I mean, imagine you're the Zuckabore trainer and you're like, I have to have it fight a womp rat. No has ever beat a womp rat. It's fucking obvious.
1: Well, (laughs) first year bioengineers, know." I think that just sort of depends cuz we can also say like oh this is just a measure of how good Dusk is at knowing various properties of animals.
0: No, I get it. I know exactly why they did it in the book. What I'm saying is it's way too low rent where she's like just oh I'll just call the first fight perfectly. Uh for me to be impressed by it. Instead it makes it feel like she's the only person in the galaxy who knows really obvious stuff. <laughs> It'd be like if rather than Luke being an amazing X-Wing pilot, he was the only person in the movie who knew what an X-Wing was. If he was like, oh. ah, that's an X-Wing. And they were like, are you sure? I think that's a spaceship. And he was like, nope, X-Wing. You can trust me. I'm a specialist. <laughs> uh, Okay, so like we were saying earlier, uh, while she watches the fights, that she suddenly notices a face in the crowd.
1: Ah, uh, yes. A, a handsome face with dark eyes and dark hair and dark. Uh,
0: everything. He's a black guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's dark of complexion and eye, and he's handsome and he has short dreads and it's really bothering me that this character's name is Finn. Uh, I mean, we don't get his name here, but it is for sure. Finn.
1: Yeah, Finn Darktrin.
0: Well, that's good, at least. At least he doesn't have the same last name as Finn from the movies, which is none. He doesn't have one. (laughs) Might be Darktrin. Oh, fuck. (laughs) 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 But yeah, he's he's in the crowd, and he's got his eye on her, but we don't know why. And every time she looks at him, he doesn't avert his gaze or anything. He just looks back at her. And she keeps looking away, watching the fight, getting distracted, listening to... uh, spandau ballet talk about the fights and now he's grumpy about them uh 10 down and on there we go you put yeah, spandau Nintendo. ballet in my head you dick and uh
1: <laughs> no just just remember nintendow
0: <laughs> okay i'm back up to speed nintendow <laughs> uh okay so but <laughs> dusk does what Nintendo? <laughs> Nintendo. i like Nintendo though that's great I know, right? Come yeah. on. Okay, so eventually she turns around to look at this guy again, and he just openly winks at her. He's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And she gets flushed and blushes, and he's like, "Ooh, I can't, I can't let myself feel this weak around a boy. I have to, I have to push down my womanly ways."
1: <laughs> I I've- just, I love that her reaction to multiple times during this event when she looks behind her and this guy isn't watching the matches at all is just already staring at her Mm -hmm. and you gotta be like yeah no there's no point where i would be like oh yeah he winked at me that's hot i'd be like for the past hour anytime i have looked behind me he has been looking at the back of my head this dude's a creep and i need to
0: call security or maybe he knows you're in the empire like the first thought i would have is oh shit some rebel made us I mean, I, obvious, mean, I mean, not like there's anything to make. They're there legitimately.
1: Yeah, it's it's not like, ah, yes, some rebel has found us. Uh, some civilians.
0: Yeah, so that, but eventually when she looks around one final time after he makes her blush and she has to retreat into her own head and be like, I don't even like dresses. And I've been thinking about cutting my hair short. <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but let rest assured I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about getting a cute little pixie cut, but I haven't. I'm
1: going to keep it long and luxurious like my man likes. I mean, no. I've been thinking
0: about getting a cute little pixie cut and putting a purple streak in it. And I've also been thinking about using a guitar case instead of a suitcase.
1: (laughs) I've been thinking about taking up the ukulele. What do you think?
0: (laughs) This is a great hot tub conversation. I work at a restaurant that only serves old breakfast cereals. It's me, Dusk <laughs> Mistflyer. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. so anyway, that's pretty much where we end. the The uh, the mysterious stranger has vanished, and Dusk now is is exceedingly concerned as to who he was and were his intentions sinister, and what did it mean when she blushed at her look at him looking at her. Indeed,
1: but we'll find that out later because that is the end of chapter 1.
0: Uh-huh. Now, this book only has 15 chapters in it, but not much happens in them, so we may be pushing through this book a little faster than some of the other books. Uh yeah, I, I don't know for sure. In in order to have all that much of interest to say, I think we may have to do two chapters. I'm just letting you know in case you're one of our our uh read or listeners who reads along. Yeah, this might
1: be a uh a quick read.
0: Yeah. Uh, just just letting you know that that's the case. And once again, if you didn't check out our our preview episode, uh, you gotta look at this book for your for yourself because the cover is done using mod asset posing tools in Star Wars Galaxies, circa 2004. Boy, howdy, is it just the worst looking? So if you want to see a bunch of like <laughs> shadows turned down to minimum clipping through themselves stormtroopers and ATSTs running around a barren, procedurally generated landscape. Have I ever got good news for you?
1: Ah, uh, finally. Exactly what I wanted.
0: <laughs> Go check it out. Once again, it's called Ruins of Dantooine, and I can't wait to find out more about these characters, Duskway and, and Finn. I think they're going places.
1: You know what I can't wait to find out more of is uh more expanded universe content you see (laughs) if you go over to system mastery over on the old patreon why we've got some various levels that you can support us at and at the two dollar level why we got bonus content where we head on over to Wikipedia and find just the goofiest wackiest or sometimes interestingest stories that we can find
0: yeah, uh, I, I got. I'm gonna go ahead and let people know in advance that almost every single thing about Star Wars Galaxies is a red link. And if you know anything <laughs> about w- wikis, you know what that fucking means. <laughs> you'll you'll find links for things like Koopa. This is a kind of ugly red green Tatooine tauntaun. Don't worry about it. It's not, we, we don't need to put, so you're, we're, we're going to have to get inventive for the next couple of episodes, but don't worry, if there's anyone who's up to the task, it's me and John. Yeah,
1: or at least me.
0: <laughs> hey, I got something for this episode. Don't you fret. <laughs> I never fret. Okay, good. I wouldn't want to hear about you fretting. It's bad for your blood pressure. Indeed. And everyone knows famously that of the two of us. I am the one with horrible blood pressure well, problems. You, prob- you probably are now by comparison to me. I mean, probably. You I'm, take so many pills. I'm taking seven pills a day for that bullshit. My blood pressure is a regimented perfect line nowadays. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm so good at blood pressure at this point that I'm immune to polygraph tests, which don't even measure that. <laughs> so... uh so yeah, uh, but once again, that's over at the Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Join at the $2 level. It's the level you want. Actually, you want the $5 yes. level. Actually, you want the $2,000 level. Actually. You want to just take your wallet into your hand and throw it towards San Diego. That's what. Yeah, you- <laughs> just
1: in the direction you think we are.
0: <laughs> You're probably wrong, but don't worry. We have a mechanism for that. Anyway, Ooh, we've got things in place. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you over on the Patreon, and otherwise we'll see you in a week with yet more Star Wars content. Uh, but once before we get going, before I say the whole Sleazebagiano thing, let me just mention that we have a book coming out in about a month and two days. Oh boy, a book. I just we got to start marketing that because we forgot to and we're terrible about being authors. But it is our <laughs> second book. It is a cocktail recipe guide called Dungeon Meister. It's available on Amazon for pre-order as we speak.
1: Yes, indeed. You, you can c- go get it wherever fine books are sold. Yeah, it's I also mean, on the they Simon. They also sell our stuff in addition to fine books. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's because of illegal technicality. They have to also sell our crappy books. But it's we 75, got in a loophole. It's 75 party-ready cocktail recipes for your next nerd gathering, which obviously is going to be immediately. Oh, any day now. I'm quite sure. Hey, nothing to help sterilize things
1: like good old alcohol.
0: <laughs> Take it from me, a person who, since writing that book, has had to quit alcohol. <laughs> Hey,
1: at least you didn't have to quit before writing the book.
0: It's true. And it's not like I have to quit for the rest of my life or anything. It's uh, it, it's it's prep for some some biopsy work I have coming up. That's all. Then I can drink again. Yay. And boy, howdy, will I? Oh, my God. Yeah. You got
1: to make up for lost time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm a 40 year old pledge. Mm okay well there you have it thank you so much everybody we'll see you real soon that book once again dungeon meister patreon.com system mastery i've been elan sleaze Boggiano. and i'm
1: not like the other death sticks